Riders, this is your host, Rusty James. It is Friday, October 6, 2017, and this is The Ride. Good morning, good morning, friends. I am here to talk to you, yes, you, about the world today and how God is in it. And how God can be part of it. Not this impersonal God that many people might think of. But one who knows the very nature of you. Everything about you, in fact. The one who created you. That God. The one who wants to know you more and more every day. That's the God I'm talking about. It's a somber day today. I have not done a podcast since the horrific shooting in Las Vegas and I wanted to talk a little bit about how something like that can happen our hearts and prayers go to the families that have been forever affected by that tragedy and there's not a lot we can do in the natural realm except to minister in love and in deed but supernaturally there is power there and our prayers go out and I believe that God hears those who call out his name that's what the word of God says and so I'm calling out his name Lord be with the people be with the families that have been affected by this help them to see that it wasn't your desire that this happened and though we don't understand why these things happen we ask that you would be a minister of peace during this time of grief. Amen. So as I'm driving to work today, it's getting darker every morning. It seems to happen every year about this time. And when I make my way out the door, it is as dark as night. And today it's extra dark because a phenomenon is happening on the road. I'm sure you're all aware of this when you're driving in the rain at night. I'm always amazed at this um, condition, really, because it's such a difference, the road conditions, from how things are during a normal day and during a day that has rain when there's darkness. And of course, the rain causes the road to be shiny and glistening with moisture. It's what Hollywood does to make a scene more vibrant, is they'll, they'll wet down the whole road. If you've ever noticed that, most night shots, I would, I would say most night shots, they've wet down the scene. Why do they do that? Because it reflects light to the camera and it makes the scene look less drab. But what happens when we're driving on it? See, that's the thing. When I'm driving on it, it's the total opposite. I can't see the lights from my vehicle reflected back to my eyes off the road, not when things are wet. What happens? The light from my vehicle hits the road and then bounces off like a mirror away from my eyes. So. It's as though I'm not illuminating my path ahead. That rain is acting as a, 
almost like a blinder to me. It doesn't let me see the light. And so here I am driving in the morning, things are dark, it rained last night, continues to drizzle a little bit, and now I'm driving on roads that are mirrors, and I can't see hardly anything, even with my brights on. And this morning, I was thinking about this whole situation in Las Vegas. And I know there's a lot of people that wonder, how can something like this happen? And it's not like I want this to happen, but I'm never surprised that this kind of thing can happen. I don't know if I'm some kind of aberrant mind, but I know there's evil in the world. In fact, I know the world is evil. And only by the grace of God can we be saved from the evil taking over our minds. I envisioned this guy or group of people, I don't know who all is involved in this, but obviously the shooter, and I don't remember his name, I don't think I care to remember his name. I, I feel for him because he was, I think, overtaken by evil. Whether it was his fault or not, evil got into his heart and mind. And it's like he's driving through life in the darkness. And nothing's illuminating his path either. He's just going down a dark road. People ask, how does this kind of thing happen? I don't have an answer. But God has a clue for us today. It's in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful. Let me read that again. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In the living in the New Living Translation it says it a little bit different. The human heart is the most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I've got a feeling that God knows how bad it is because he knows all things. He knows the depravity and the, the depths of darkness that are potentials in, in the heart of man because he created us and he knows what sin can do. He told us that sin has a path that ultimately leads to death. And many times if we're overtaken with evil thoughts and desires and a sinful rebellion, we're on that road that you can't see. You can't even see where you're going. God knew because he knew that there was a solution, a radical solution. It's amazing to me how people just slam the life of Jesus, you know. Uh, people say, I'm just going to go to hell and have a party with my friends and, you know, forget this religiosity stuff. What Jesus did is so far away from religiosity. He did what a real man does. In a sense, the most religious among us are the ones who would laugh their way to hell. Why do I say it that way? Because religion by itself is just man trying to get to God by doing things. 
by doing his own works to get to God be saved by their own works and when you want to live your own life when you want to live the way that suits you you're essentially creating a God of your life you're creating God little g and you're following this little g and you're living the the little g god dogma of your own creation and you're hopelessly bound to repeat the same mistakes serving this god your attempts at getting to god your attempts to be religious to be moral in your own eyes to seek the happiness and the pleasure and the purpose you have defined for yourself not the greater one that God has and you've been hopelessly part of the church of you going down the road with no light on the path and it leads to death but God knew the darkness of the human heart and that's why he sent Christ And this is what gets me. You think about what Jesus Christ did. And sure, many discount him and look at the death on the cross and give it so little weight. I'm here to remind you that not only did Jesus die for your sin and my sin, he died a spiritual death. This gets me every time. And I don't know if many people think about this as much. When God knew the capacity of evil of the human heart and how we needed a way out, he sent his only son. And we phrase it that way because, maybe just because it maybe helps us understand like a father and his only child what kind of pain that would be to give your child up as a sacrifice for others. But because it's God, I don't see it in the same way. You know, I don't don't read it that way. And because of this next point I want to bring up, because it wasn't just sacrificing his son for an ideal. I mean, we can recognize Abraham doing that sacrificing his son you know the story we can see that and we can see the heart-wrenching decision he had to make to follow God and give his son up as a sacrifice which is actually a picture of what God did with Jesus but the point here is that we can all recognize someone giving up their son to be a sacrifice for others. I mean, every military parent who has their child, their adult child in the military in a wartime, has made that type of sacrifice. That potential is there for sacrificing their child for the good of more. And we're humans and we can do that. It's not easy, but we can do that. But God did something, something way different. He didn't just give his son to die. He gave his son to be separated from God. That's the death that Jesus went through. That's the death that you do not want. I can tell you now, you don't want this. This is where the preaching happens. 
This is something that you desperately don't want. I can't explain why. Because I, I haven't been through that. But I know that you don't want to be separated from God. That is what Jesus went through. When Jesus took on the sin of the entire world, every evil thought you had or ever will have contributed to his payment of being separated from God. He took on sin, and God can't look on sin. Sin had to be punished, but Jesus took on that task. You know, when he was stressed out in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, Lord, I don't think I can handle this cup that you've given to me, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's your will. It wasn't because he was going to go be physically beaten, humiliated, falsely accused, and be a martyr and have to deal with human death. I mean, that would be enough to turn me off to it if it were me. But, you know, the human body, once it's dead, it's dead. There's no pain at that point. But the afterlife... And in Jesus' case, he had to go to hell for you. He went there so you didn't have to. But it was a conspiracy. And God and Jesus were in on it. Nobody else. Pilate didn't know about it. The disciples didn't know about it. And we barely understand it now, having two thousands of years of history to think about it and talk about it. There was a conspiracy going on. God knew that situations like what happened in Las Vegas are a default position of the human mind without him. Hate, malice, destruction, disregard for human life, disregard for their creator. It's all part of the package now that sin is a default. So Jesus did what he did. The most badass thing in the world. And he did it. For you. Next time somebody kind of slams Jesus and, and puts that whole Christianity thing in the same cubby as Grandma's Lace and old dusty hymnals, you confront them and say, that is not the Christianity I live under. I submit to an authority higher than me. I am not making a life with a little G God at the head of it with my face on the church building. I submit to God Almighty who is willing to give his son to cover the sin that I'm doing right now, doing today. I'm probably going to do some stupid stuff today, have some stupid thoughts, and later in the day I'm going to repent. How do I do that? I talked to God. How is that possible? Jesus took the place of sin and allowed me to have communication with God the Father. Jesus did that. Nobody else did that. And all of that was done because God knew that there's sin and evil in the world. The heart is deceptive and deceitful. And who can know it? It's deceitful above all things. And who can know it? I don't know the heart of the man who took those innocent lives. I don't know that heart. It's a heart of Antichrist. 
It's a heart opposite of love. I don't know what did it. We'll never truly know until we have the full, clear view of things when we're with the Father. It takes a little pressure off, I think, for me anyway, to realize that I'm not going to understand why this evil happened. I think sometimes evil happens just because it can. Why were Jews killed in mass numbers? Because it could? Because something allowed it to happen? Somebody I heard on the radio the other day was talking about the massacre, and the radio commentator was asking what did they think was the reason for this. And I'm sure that the commentator was wanting there to be a discussion about guns. And the response was unexpected. The person said, a godless society, or, or it was something like that, or... I think it might have been a society that promotes godlessness. That might have been it. I felt it was profound. I felt it was totally politically incorrect. And that's why I loved that comment. You know, I know it's tough being in a world that you've got so many different points of view. Heaven forbid we offend somebody, you know, with our version of God versus their version of God. But a statement like that, it boiled down to, we've all become little G-gods, and we have not made room for the one true God in our society, and therefore this kind of thing happens. It's not necessarily because somebody owns guns, although I don't appreciate the capability somebody has to do that kind of damage, and I really hope that they get rid of the, that automatic stuff. If you want to fire an automatic weapon, then go into the military and, and uh, defend your country. Do it that way. There's no excuse for that. So what is it that we do with this? We want so desperately as humans to know the answers, know the reason why it happened. And if we don't know the reasons, we'll come up with reasons. We'll make them up. Isn't that half or probably 90% of all conspiracy theory talk. So we're desperately trying to figure out why something was the way it is. And we go crazy with the thoughts. Maybe this happened because somebody just had enough. It's tragic. But that's what doesn't surprise me about situations like this. It amazed me at 9-11 even that all these newscasters and whatever were saying... And this took a lot of planning, and it's amazing that they could have pulled this off. And I'm standing there thinking, it didn't take much. And they're saying the same thing about this guy. No, it didn't take much. I think it's the mind of the human that can't fathom such destruction that constructs this false narrative about what it takes to do something. Maybe it's just to help them sleep at night. Like, well, it couldn't possibly happen again. I mean, it's so difficult of a thing to do. No, it's not. And to think that we try so hard to, to, to distance it from us, to maybe help us sleep at night or whatever it is. I don't know if that's what's going on here when they say it just takes so much. I don't, we don't know how it could have been done. I mean, now I can see it. In 9-11... I wasn't surprised that something like that could have happened. 
Because the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? It's deceitful above all things. Let's be careful not to get too caught up in why or how. But let's remember the who of God in this. Who God is. He's the one who did the sacrificial act by sending the Son. So that you... You don't have to be caught up in the evil of the day. We certainly live with evil around us and we're affected by its actions, but we do not have to have it take our life away. And I'm talking about our true life, not the physical life that many people think about when they think about Jesus dying on the cross, just the physical part. I'm talking about the spiritual life. They can't take that away from you. No one can take that away from you. But you've got a decision to make. Big G or little G? Who's your God going to be? I find that if I'm trying to be the God of my life, I find that my taskmaster is difficult, is not caring, and is hopelessly fickle. Yet when I follow God Almighty the big G. He is steady and firm, but his words are clear and he doesn't change. The one who loved his son and loved us, yet sent his son to die for us and knew us by name. That's the God that I serve. I don't know about you. I'd love to hear back that you've made a decision to serve the big G God today. And sure, you might not get all the answers you need, not on this side of eternity, but serving God takes a lot of the pressure off. Because with all these little G's around, we're always trying to figure out, you know, the unfigureoutable. Because somebody's got to figure it out. I rest in the knowledge and in the peace that God hasn't figured out. I don't have to. I know justice is the Lord's, and I know that many are grieving right now, and I can't pray enough for those affected. Lord, I don't know why these things happen. I don't know why. All I can say, Lord, is that please be with everyone who's affected and comfort those who have gone through this horrific thing. Lord, remind them that you haven't left them, that you're still with them, And that there can be peace again. I hate what evil does in the world, God. I hate that. But I know what you said in your word. I can't hate people. So I'll hate sin and the evil. And then, Lord, I pray that you help me love people. People that have the potential for doing very evil things. Some days I don't know how to do it. I don't know how it's in me to do it. And that's, I guess, where I rely on you. You give me the strength to do what I can't do. That's why we need you. We need somebody outside of the system. The system of little G's. We need to rely on the Almighty. I pray I'm sensitive. I pray we all are sensitive to the needs of others. And I think that's only possible with you speaking to us on a daily basis letting your Holy Spirit whisper softly to us what we need to know at the right time. Help me today, help me 
be a minister of the gospel today in whatever I do at work. Help me have the right attitudes. Help me be slow to anger. Help me be quick to mercy. And help me shine a light on a path that in many times is so dark. Help me to shine a light so that people can see what you've done for them and that life is around the corner for them. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. A little bit different today. I hope that it's touched you uh, the way that uh, it's touching me. And, and if this is doing that for you, I, I'm asking you to pass this on, share this with your friends. There's so much going on in the world today that we sometimes need to have a different perspective. You know this. We need to have a perspective that's based on God and the Word of God. If we're not careful, we'll just keep on listening to what the world is throwing at us. And before long, we think that's all there is to it. Be the light. Be that different voice out there. Stand firm in your faith. Stay in the Word of God. Pray for those who persecute you. And remember, there's a lot of people around who are traveling on a road that's dark and poorly illuminated. Your job, not whether you want to accept it or not, but your job, period, is to help them see. So let's get to it, and you can help accomplish God's will today. Am I right? And I will see you on the flip.